So this morning, we're picking up on a series of the, on the Gospel of Luke, and in this series, we're focusing on different meals that Jesus shares with people in this Gospel, and especially on what those meals have to say to how we live as Christians today. I didn't plan this, but we're reading this morning the feeding of the 5,000, and that actually fits really well with a number of themes that Lambert mentioned and that we saw in this video. So we'll be reading Luke chapter 9 verses, excuse me, Luke chapter 9 verse 10 to verse 17 this morning. And right before this text, Jesus has sent his disciples out and they've gone out and they've proclaimed the kingdom of God and they've cast out demons and they've healed the sick and then they return. And we'll pick that up in Luke 9 verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. And they answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. We're going to start with a question today for this sermon. And that question is, have you ever actually seen a miracle? Have you ever, with your own eyes, been present and seen a miracle? A miracle, seeing something supernatural happen, seeing something that you couldn't explain. And then let's actually go a step beyond that. And, and I wonder, I wonder, have any of us here, have you ever performed a miracle with your own hands, with your own voice? Have you ever performed a miracle? Have you spoken or acted in seeing something happen that, that was beyond explanation and yet... And yet you did it. Have you ever been in that spot? I'm going to guess that most of us or all of us would say, no, those are crazy questions. Why are you even asking? Obviously not. But when this text opens, that's exactly where Jesus' disciples have been. They have just been out performing miracles. At the beginning of Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends these 12 hand-picked disciples out and and he gives them authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick and then along with that to proclaim the kingdom and they go out and they do it. They lay their hands on people and they heal their sicknesses. They speak and the demons flee with their own hands, with their own voices. These 12 guys have gone out and they've performed miracles. And then they come back and they begin to tell Jesus about it. And Jesus and his 12 disciples go on a spiritual retreat together. But the crowds find them. The crowds 
find them. And as this story develops, we, we draw much closer to our regular lives. The disciples have been out performing miracle after miracle, and then they come back, and, and in this text, they fail to perform a miracle. And that's our lives. We don't see a lot of miracles. We aren't out there speaking and laying our hands on people for the most part and, and having supernatural things happen. God's people, God's people, the disciples and us, we so often fail to perform a miracle. So the crowds chase Jesus and his disciples down, and, and instead of running away, Jesus responds graciously, and, and he heals people, and he teaches, and he heals people, and he teaches, and, and this goes on for most of the day. And, and then later in the day, the disciples come, and we can envision them kind of tapping Jesus on the shoulder and maybe whispering in his ear, hey, um, it's been a long day. We're kind of in, in, I mean, we're in the middle of the wilderness. There's not a lot of hotels or grocery stores around here. Why don't... Why don't you send these people away so they can go and find food and lodging for themselves? And the text isn't entirely clear on what the disciples' motivation is. It could be that they're thinking, we're tired, we want Jesus' time, get rid of these people. This is a good excuse. Or it could be they've just thought through the logistics. They've looked around, a lot of people, not a lot of food. We should do something about this before it gets dark and people get grumpy. We don't know what their motivation was. But we know that Jesus turns to him and and we wonder if the disciples were kind of whispering and trying to keep the conversation down. And Jesus just says right out loud straight to them, well, why don't you give them something to eat? Why not? Go ahead. Give them something to eat. Jesus at that point is inviting the disciples to provide. And they totally flop. It makes sense, but they totally flop. They, they respond with disbelief to Jesus. Like, we, we don't have anything. I mean... I mean, we, we have like five loaves and two fish, and that, that's not going to work. And I, I guess we could go, and if we had enough money, we could buy food and bring it here. And, and if we had enough people to carry food for five thousand, Jesus, we can't do this. And the disciples are absolutely right. The disciples can't do it. They don't have the resources. They... They don't have what it takes to meet the need right in front of them. And welcome to our reality. This is the world that we live in too. We don't have the energy. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have the resources to meet the needs of this world. And often that is so obvious that we don't even really pay attention to it anymore. But let's, let's stop and own this reality for a minute. Think about what the Lord calls us to do. Think about what the Lord has called you to do. Think about the needs that you know of in the world. Just the needs that you know of. And now imagine the Lord saying to you, why don't you just take care of it? Just, just go ahead, take care of it. You can do it. And the truth of the matter is that we as individuals and we as a church, we can't do it. We can't do it. Now you 
heard me read this story a little bit ago, so you know there's more to the story, and we aren't going to end on this note, but, but let's really feel the disciples' confusion and desperation and, and frustration that, that Jesus is asking something of them that is simply impossible. And we hope and we pray and we work to help people and they still go back to their addictions and their sins. And we give and we give and we give and we give to causes and people misuse the money and they misuse the resources and they do it wrong. We invest sacrificially and, and we don't see the fruit we want to see. And the need is still there and we keep looking and all we've got is a few loaves and a few fish and that just isn't going to do it. We can't do it. And that's the point we need to be at. And then Jesus steps in. It's only when we get to the end of our own resources and we face reality as it always is that, that we get that felt sense that we really need the Lord. I'm going to focus more in this sermon on how the Lord works through us to help other people. But before we can get to that, how the Lord provides through us to help others, we need to see how Jesus provides for us, his people. We need to begin with the foundation that the Lord really does provide what we need. I said that the disciples flopped in this story, but... But maybe they should have known better. Maybe they could have known better. Because just before this, they were out and they were performing miracles. And they weren't doing it on their own. They were doing it because the Lord had called and equipped and gifted them. They weren't going out and saying, Kapow, you're healed in the power of James or John or Peter or whoever. They were going out and healing in the name of Jesus because Jesus had provided for them. The Lord was working through them so that they could provide for others. And we need to recognize, we as Christians need to recognize that we do not have what it needs, but that what we need, what the world needs, but the Lord provides for us. All of our power, all of our spiritual vitality, all the true good that we can do in the world depends not on us, but on the Lord. And this is true of the Christian life all the way through. We don't go to God first. He comes to us. We don't save ourselves. He saves us. We don't work with supernatural power. The Lord does. And in a sense, in a sense, all of us have have seen a miracle because if you look around this room right now, the fact that any of us are here is by itself an evidence of God's supernatural work. If it were not for the work of Christ, if it were not for the work of the Holy Spirit, none of us would be here. The Lord has already worked in us. He has provided for us. And on that foundation, we can build and we can see how the Lord provides through his people. The Lord provides through his disciples, through us. And note here, and this is absolutely crucial for us to get this text. See that the disciples have given up. 
They've said, God, I, Jesus, we can't do it. We can't do it. And Jesus could have, he could have said, all right, stand back. And he could have turned his back on the disciples, these guys who were just working miracles a day ago, a couple days ago, and, and now they think they can't do it. He could have said, enough of this, turned his back on them and said, everyone hold up a hand, kapow, you've all got food. Everyone hold up your other hand, kapow, you've all got fish. Kapow is actually Aramaic for a miracle is about to happen. No, just kidding. I don't actually know what kapow is in Aramaic. But we'll go with kapow. But Jesus could have done that. He could have, in his power, just boom, everybody's got food. But that's not what he does. And that is not how the Lord usually works. Instead, Jesus works through his disciples. And so instead of turning his back on these guys who just ain't getting it, he says, well, okay, why don't you get to work? Get the people divided into groups of 50 or so. And, and then, then Jesus takes the food that the disciples have provided. He takes the little bit that they have, and he prays over it. And in this text, Jesus doesn't go around and give the food to everybody. He, he prays, and he breaks the food, and he gives it to his disciples. And he prays, and he breaks the food, and he keeps giving it to his disciples. And his disciples are the one who, ones who bring the food to the crowd. And as they do that, the food keeps coming, and the, the disciples distribute the food, and they 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 distribute the food. And, and the text says there's 5,000 men, and that's probably 5,000 men plus women and, child, women and children. So they feed the first thousand. And the second thousand, and the third thousand, and four, and five, and who knows how many thousand people eat out of this little handful of food. And afterwards, the disciples go around, they pick up the leftovers, and there are 12 baskets of leftovers, a nice big doggy bag for each of the disciples to take home. And there's an object lesson there, too, that Jesus wants his disciples to see, that that out of the little they have, he's provided enough for everybody, and at the end of the day, there's so much left that that each of the disciples has a full basket to take home. Jesus provides through his disciples. God provides for the world through his people. Now remember again where this story starts. The disciples have been out working for Jesus. They've been casting out demons. They've been healing the sick. They've been proclaiming the kingdom. They have not just seen miracles. They have done miracles. They themselves, with their hands, with their voices, they have done supernatural work. And the Lord intends to keep working them. And even when the disciples don't see it, even when they can't see it, even when they flop, Jesus still has them keep working for him. He has them participate in the next miracle. Now, we don't see a lot of miracles these days. Most of us, I'd say all of us, but maybe there's an exception, but, but certainly most of us don't go around saying, kapow! And producing food and healing and, and all those things. It's not usually how our lives work. But I want us to reflect on another question now. We started with the question, have you seen a miracle? Have you performed a miracle? And, and maybe you answered no to that. But how about this question? 
Have you ever seen Jesus work through you? Have you ever seen the Lord work through you? And I would guess that all of us, if we take a moment to reflect on that, we could think of times, we could think of places where the Lord has worked through us. Maybe you've never healed someone with a touch, but have you ever provided just the right medicine at just the right time? Have you ever given an encouraging word that moved someone to a better place? Maybe you've never cast out a demon, but have you ever walked with someone through the dark valley of addiction or, or depression? Have you ever cared for someone whose world has fallen apart and who doesn't know what to do next? Maybe you've never miraculously fed 5,000 men plus women and children, but have you ever provided a meal for someone who didn't have food to eat? Have you ever volunteered somewhere who made sure that people who otherwise would go hungry would have something? Have you ever given a Christmas gift to a child or a family in need? Now, I'm not going to list out the people or the programs, but, but really, in just the last few months, in the last year for sure, people in our church, and our church, has done all of those things. We have done all of that and more. And by God's grace, we will keep on providing for those who are sick, working with those who are spiritually oppressed, providing for those who don't have enough. By God's grace, we will keep doing that. So if you want to take a moment, and this isn't going to be the big point, but if you want to take a moment, you want to pat yourself on the back or pat your neighbor on the back, go for it. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to celebrate what the Lord has done through us. But let's not get caught up in what we do or how we do it. There's a sense today where I want all of us to hit a point of despair. Because if we are honest about our own families, if we are honest about our church family, if we are honest about the people we work with, if we're honest about the neighborhoods we live in, if we're honest about the world that we live in, we don't have enough, and we never do enough, and we never will, and we never can. And it is precisely at that point when we realize that we cannot do it that the Lord provides. We can and we should plan and scheme and serve and strategize and work but apart from God's work, all of that will accomplish nothing. If we are trying to be good people, if we are trying to live the Christian life, if we are trying to change the world on our own resources, we will be standing there with five loaves and two fish trying to feed 5,000 people. And on our own strength, it will never work. All human efforts, all merely human efforts to change the world, to make things better, they fall short. The very best of us at the end of the day still leave all kinds of needs unmet. But it is not our job to save the world. And that gives us tremendous freedom. It is not our job to save the world in our own power. The Lord works through us to provide.
The Lord works through us to bring his gospel to the world. The Lord works through us to make the world a better place. So I'm going to close this morning by echoing a challenge or an invitation for Mission Emphasis Sunday last week. Last Sunday evening, Pastor Pedro from Ebenezer was here. He offered a couple challenges. I'm only going to mention one this morning. And that challenge was what he called a, a here I am, send me challenge. And we'll close with that today. So here's the challenge. For the rest of this month, for the rest of the month of March, when you wake up in the morning, as, as your feet hit the floor, pause for just a moment and pray simply this. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. That's a line from Isaiah 6. If you want to read that chapter to get some more background, you can. But when you wake up, when you wake up, as you go through your day, don't focus on the five loaves and two fish that you have, but, but focus on how the Lord has provided and will continue to provide. And maybe if you're in a particular season, what you need is not to hear that the Lord will provide through you for other people, but, but maybe what you need to hear right now is that the Lord is present with you and that He is providing for you. But past that, past that, open yourself up this month to seeing how the Lord might pro be providing through you for other people. Pray, reflect. Keep your eyes open for ways that the Lord might do something that, that on your own you could never do, but that through His power, you can. You can. Focus on the Lord. Pray for Him to provide and to send you. And after that, pay attention. Pay attention to how the Lord is sending you, how the Lord wants to use you, and how how in His grace He can use you to provide for others. The Lord provides for us. The Lord provides through us. This month, I invite all of us to join in praying, here I am, send me. And let's pray now. Father, here we are. Here we are, having gathered to worship you and having brought you our prayers and our praises and our offerings. And here we are, having heard your word. Father, we give you thanks that you have worked in us to bring us to this place. Father, we are grateful for the work of Jesus who, who gave his own life so that we could live. And we're thankful for the work of your Holy Spirit who continues to bring us to new life and who who provides for us and provides through us. Father, we are grateful that we are here with you. And Father, we pray that you send us. Father, we pray that you open our eyes to the ways that you intend to provide through us, even today and even this week. Father, if we have opportunities this week to, to help to heal sicknesses, if we have the opportunity to serve people, to make their lives better, to re relieve pain and suffering, then help us in your power to do exactly that. 
And Father, this week when we are in times and places of darkness and spiritual oppression, then we pray that you give us your power so that we can work to bring your light, to chase away the darkness, to undo evil, to make things right. And Father, we pray that you give us the courage, the discernment, the wisdom, the love that we need to proclaim your word. Help us to see opportunities where we can have conversations, where we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for that good news, for the new lives that we have in you. And we pray that you help us always to trust you and to follow you. Amen.